Kia ora and welcome to Herb Talk. My name is Katie, a naturopath at Phytomed. In today's podcast, Phil and I are discussing stress and anxiety commonly popping up for in-clinic practitioners. Join us as we learn more about stress and anxiety with Phil from a phytotherapy perspective and some of the top herbs for in-clinic use. Welcome, Phil. Kia ora, Katie. So, Phil, let's start out with the difference between acute and chronic stress and anxiety. Okay. Yeah, I think we all know what what our stress response is about, really, and it's different for every person, isn't it? But we were basically wired to have the ability to respond to an acute stressor as well as chronic chronic stress. Now, it's an inbuilt defence system and it enables us to adapt to sudden change in our environment. And it's basically initiated by the hypothalamic-pituitary axis, what we call the HPA axis, and involves secretion of hormones such as cortisol, that being more the the longer-term stress-responding hormone. Mm -hmm. And in the shorter term, the the fight-or-flight response is mediated more by neurotransmitters such as adrenaline, noradrenaline, and other sympathetic amines, basically. Right. So that activation of the sympathetic nervous system, we all know, it leads to a faster heart rate, faster breathing, sensory nerve activation, your pupils dilate, you're ready to rock, you're ready to run away or jump, or if you're a high-performance athlete, you're ready to run the race. But it's the the more chronic exposure to stress or ongoing exposure and and poor management of it, in other words, not uh, addressing it properly or not getting enough rest or or not taking the right medications, that can really impact on on human health and bodily functions. And the cumulative uh, research linking stress with uh, physical health problems in human beings is just vast and growing all the time. Pretty well every single physical health problem, there's a, a stress contributing component. It might be 10%, it might be 90%. It varies depending on the person. And similarly, you know, physical health problems can be exacerbated by stress. And, and we now know that cancer, the recurrence of cancer, increasingly we're recognising that cellular stress is a key trigger to, to reactivating it. And, and immune uh, compromise you know, immune system being compromised because of being um, stressed, that's well known as well. Irritable bowel, peptic ulcer, these are all stress-related conditions, basically. But one of the most debilitating manifestations of chronic stress in particular is our mental health issues. You know, the effect that all that has on our nervous system. So the feeling of being overwhelmed, not sleeping, being irritable, grumpy with your kids and your partner, headaches, and of course, anxiety and depression as well as substance abuse for many people. A lot of people, they turn to alcohol or other substances. So we all respond differently, and I know that phytotherapy can help with all of the above to to one degree or another. Because if if we don't use herbs, if we don't look at phytotherapy as a first-line treatment or preventative intervention for uh, stress-related conditions. The alternative is that people turn to drugs. And in fact, that's what most people do turn to, not just alcohol, but... The use of uh, benzodiazepine drugs um, such as diazepam, lorazepam, clonazepam is still really too high in my opinion. And also the, the use of sleeping tablets like zopoclone is really high. A lot of people are taking them and post-traumatic stress disorder, you know, post-COVID, you know, we've seen a, a real increase in stress-related conditions obviously. So... But, you know, rather than going for a drug, which is much more likely to cause an adverse event, herbal medicine and phytotherapy should be a first-line treatment option, in my opinion. 
Right, and for preventative as well, right? So we focus a lot on trying to recover from stress, but if we can prevent that stress from developing in the first place, then that's got to be a positive too. Absolutely, and and you know, healthy lifestyle is of course integral to that, getting enough exercise and eating good healthy food rather than junk food and, and good sleep hygiene, not sitting up and watching Netflix till 2am every night. So all of those things are really preventative to you know having a really poor stress response. But phyto, phyto medicines are also really powerful, just like good food is, good plant-based foods, can, can help prevent a bad stress response, so can the right herbal or plant medicines incorporated into your daily routine. Right, I think you touched on something quite interesting there as well, because when we think about self-medicating, we think about alcohol or medications like you say, but then sitting down and binging on Netflix just to try and help wind down from a stressful day, that's a kind of uh, self-medicating as well, in a way, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Everyone, uh, most most human beings, you know, you work hard and and you feel that if you've worked hard or you've had an extra stressful day or experience, that you kind of deserve some reward. You right. want that, you want that dopamine buzz or whatever. Mm. And of course, you know, the whole gaming uh, culture that our that our children are increasingly spending time and. You worry about you know the the long term effects that all that can have on your mental health and cognition and all the rest of it. And, and there's a lot of research showing that too much of of uh, you know those pleasure seeking uh, things that that aren't really natural pleasure seeking mm. things like exercise or you know other things that human beings do with each other or you know food that's healthy but tasty. I mean like honey or chocolate you know yeah. cocoa is good for you isn't it you know in moderation as long as it's dark chocolate <laughs> um, but yeah everything in moderation is, is generally the rule of thumb and when people are craving those things more or doing them more or excessively things get a bit out of balance don't they yeah and that's what we're trying to maintain always I think it's a lot of that immediate gratification that yeah. that people are searching for as well yep so what are some of your favorite herbs here for client outcomes with stress I guess the adaptogens are really, really important. They're kind of like the foundation of a prophylactic uh, stress um, treatment regime and also a stress management regime. And ginseng, Panax ginseng being the original one, which comes from Asia, sometimes called Korean ginseng, it has multiple effects on your immune system and on uh, nervous system and uh, all sorts of uh, you know, hormonal processes in relation to the adrenal glands. And uh, I always remember when I was a first year student here in Auckland at university and uh, I was involved with an organisation and they were trying to raise some money and I bought a box of, uh, a nice big oblong box and it was full of ginseng roots. And I'd vaguely heard of this thing called ginseng, uh, but I had no idea about what it was. But then I was expected to sell it, a little bit like a network marketing (laughs) thing. We're talking a long time ago though. There, there wasn't a lot of ginseng around in Aotearoa at the time. There was through some of the Asian shops, but a lot less than you see now. But mm. I was fascinated by the appearance of these things. You know, I'd read and heard and used to try and tell people that the man-made, the man-looking shape of the roots when they grow in their natural environment. Right. That was fascinating to me, as was the taste. You know, a, quite a mild, buttery, almost cheese-like taste. And, mm. and the fact that even a small amount could do all these wonderful things, you know, and encourage longevity, 
um, you know, optimise your health and all the rest of it really fascinated me. And rightly so, because it is a really good adaptogen. It was the first one, uh, but now we know there's a whole lot of others. We have American ginseng, which is very similar, even better, I believe, for certain types of stress, particularly where, you know, there's a predisposition to getting uh, cancer or getting infectious, mm. you know, respiratory infections. They're very similar, but they contain different types of ginsenocytes. And then there's a third ginseng that we often forget about called Tianchi ginseng. Right. Panax Noto ginseng. It's cheaper, partly because you need a bigger dose, quite a, quite a markedly bigger dose, sort of three to five times that of the others. And that's more of a, uh, a blood stimulant. You know, it really helps with blood circulation. So cardiovascular conditions, post-stroke recovery, for instance, um, that's, that's a good uh, adaptogen for that type of situation, as well as diabetes. So... The adaptogens, those are just some of them. Those are just the ginsengs. There are many, many other adaptogens in Ruthania or ashwagandha being probably uh, the favourite one of the modern world that most of us are living in. Pretty popular. Um, it certainly is, and rightly so. Um, it is incredible because it's also gently anxiolytic. It, mm. It's not like a carver or, or a vadim. It's very subtly you know, relaxing as well as being energy enhancing and, and stress insulating by modulating your adrenal glands to do all sorts of uh, better things and, and recover quicker. So uh, the adaptogens are, are key basically to a good stress formula. Great. And would you be able to share a case study with us on some herbs that you've used with a client and how it's helped? Sure. Yeah, probably stress-related conditions are the ones that I see more than anything in my clinical practice, as I'm, I believe most of us would also say. <laughs> this one was a, uh, a first-year teacher. She was a single mum with a couple of teenage children one of whom had ADHD and the other one had a, a bit of a physical health issue, which were obviously quite worrying to her. And so she was struggling to cope at times. And, and being a first-year teacher, you know, I think is much more demanding probably than second or third from what yeah. I've heard. Her mum lived nearby and was great, was helping out quite a lot to look after the kids after school and giving her some, you know, adult time at times. So that was all good. But she had a previous history of uh, panic attacks a few times and, and some anxiety. She'd been in a pretty abusive relationship. And yet, despite all of that, she'd been coping quite well until two months into her new job. And then she started having real problems with sleep and anxiety. So she saw the GP and the GP prescribed 30 tablets of clonazepam two milligrams, which is quite a bit really, and mm. said, look, take one twice a day for a week and then just wean it down to one a, one a day. She was a couple of weeks into it, but, you know, was, was feeling less anxious, but didn't really like the feeling and was becoming a bit concerned about becoming dependent on them. They were making her feel a bit awful at times as well. She was still off her food. That was one of the other manifestations of her anxiety was not eating. Okay. So she'd gone back to the GP and the GP had given her some fluoxetine, which is, you know, like other SSRIs, they use it not only for depression, but also for anxiety yeah. quite routinely these days. But again, that took her terrible. So that made her feel terrible. She took it just for um, a day or two and stopped it. So she then resorted to St. John's Wort, had been self-medicating with it and, and thought they were starting to help. But you know, finally came to see a practitioner like myself for individualised treatment. So she also had a bit of emotional um, lability just before her periods. So 
So I gave her a, a, a sort of mix that I give to a lot of people, really. Um, in this case, I thought it was appropriate to give her St. John's Wort. I thought there could be an element of depression mm. as a result of uh, long-term anxiety. You know, in chronic stress, it often leads to low-grade or even more serious depression. And St. John's Wort is a good food for the nervous system, isn't it? It's not just an antidepressant. We shouldn't just dumb it down to be that and nothing else. So I gave her 40% St. John's Wort, 35% withania, one and one, that's what Phytomed was producing at the time, unlike right. the, the three and two that we're doing now. 5% of Vitex or Chase Tree, you only need a little bit. Sometimes I can go up to 10 mils a week, but you know, I thought I'd start with five. And I gave a Corydalis, Corydalis ambigua, which is another adaptogen I use sometimes. And I think it can help increase uh, stress resistance in some people. She was a little bit of a perfectionist, a little bit obsessive in some ways. I forgot to mention that. And I find that Corydalis can be quite useful in that type of personality, you know, where there might be a kind of almost bipolar type behaviour going on sometimes. But anyway, I, I gave her that mix, eight mils twice a day. She came back three weeks later. She was somewhat better. She'd reduced the clonazepam to half a tablet twice a day. Work was getting stressful and she was having still having periods of anxiety during the daytime. Her sleep was a bit better. So I basically repeated the mix, but I increased the dose to eight mils three times a day. I said, look, have an extra dose during the daytime. And I gave her what I do with a lot of people with anxiety. I gave her a relaxant mix, a separate little bottle to mm-hmm. trial. And that had uh, 60% carver and 35% uh, passion flower and 5% licorice in it. Um, and I said, look, take 5 to 15 mils of that when you need it, you know, like a PRN dose. Right. And, uh, yeah, she she did pretty well on that. She did resort to that anxiolytic or the relaxant mix reasonably frequently, and she continued to take that mix for quite some time and, and did well on it, basically. It's a great outcome. It sounds like she had a lot going on. Yeah, like a lot of people. <laughs> like a lot of people. That story is one of zillions that we've, we hear, don't we, from our patients, our family, our, our friends, and even some of our, ourselves. You know, we all mm. know what it's like to be stressed. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of it out there. And there's just so much we can do with herbal medicine to, to reduce the need to resort to drugs and to prevent it becoming like, wow, we really need some blunderbuss meds now. You know, prevention is much better than a cure, isn't it, as you said? Yeah, of course. And I think we're going to have a lot of stressed people, a lot more stressed people coming to us after this weather that we've been dealing with. Um, I think that's really going to hit people as well. Totally agree, yep. Suddenly people are being made homeless, they're worrying about their mortgage, (laughs) they're worrying about their the house behind them, you know, all sorts of things. Tracking the weather like never before as well, because yeah. naturally we want to know. Rain anxiety, every time it rains, people are starting to worry. It's it's true. Can we just have a quick chat about your dosing? So you mentioned you went up to eight mils three times a day for this particular client. Do you find that those higher doses tend to work well in acute stress and anxiety cases? Yeah, I think dosage is a really under under acknowledged uh, component of efficacious herbal medicine, basically. And you know, we've done phytomed seminars on the subject, and, and I've talked on it in Australia. That's a really important part of effective phytotherapy. 
So look, I, I, I'm often trialling different dosages in different patients. 8 mils TDS is just one. I quite often start at 8 BD and go up to eight, uh, 10 BD or 12 BD, okay. 12 mils twice a day. So um, it's a really important component of it because everyone's different, you know, and yeah, our, our um, you know, microsomal enzymes, our biotransformation enzymes differ a lot genetically from one person to another, uh, different dietary factors. And the same way that some people can tolerate half a glass of wine and they're almost legless, other people can have 10. You know, we're all mm. different. But, yeah, for acute anxiety in particular, you know, where people are close to needing things like lorazepam or clonazepam or diazepam, if you can avoid having to go there by giving a really decent dose of an anxiolytic herbal mix, it's a win-win. It's, a it's really good. And I think, so with that in mind, I often will allow people to or tell them they can take 15, 20 mils of acute anxiolytic mixes, even simples. You know, carver mm. is a simple. Uh, valerian, I think you need 15 to 20 mils for right. acute anxiety. Two or, two or five mils doesn't touch the edge for most people. But some people find that five is enough for acute anxiety. You know, it's explaining to patients that they, they should try one. If that doesn't work, don't be afraid to go up. Yeah, um, and having the freedom to be able to do that, which is where herbal medicine is different, I suppose, than allopathic pharmaceutical medicine. You can't really play around with your dose the same. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, I think I think with herbal medicine we can we have a lot more. Um, you know, we've got a wider therapeutic margin, don't mm. we? You know, it's much safer to have have uh, five times the prescribed dose than than it would be for uh, you know for for opiates, for instance. You know, and people dying of uh, overdose from tramadol and prescription opiates these days is really quite quite worrying. Just how much it's going up and up. So yes, you're right, Katie. They are generally safer, and yet. You know, a lot comes down to the quality of the product. And, you know, like right. the ginsengs we talked about earlier, if, if they don't have enough ginsengicides in them and that withania doesn't have, you know, the right amount and the right type of withanolides, you are going to need a much higher dose. Mm. And, and so quality and dose are intrinsically interlinked. Okay. And do you have any natives that you could suggest as adaptogenic or helpful in stressful situations? Yeah, we, we forget that stress is not just mental, it's it's physical as well, you know, and, and the stress of climbing Mount Tokarangi, you know, with a big pack on your back or, or you know, having to shovel a whole lot of silt because your house is being flooded and, yeah. and work 12-hour days they, or run a race. These are all stressors, so adaptogens are appropriate when, when it's purely physical stress. So I, I really believe that kawakawa does have adaptogenic properties and it helps people to cope better with that type of stress and definitely digestive stress, you know, when things are a bit out of balance there. Apart from that, though, to be honest, I'm not convinced that there are many of our natives that I'm aware of that are particularly good for, for stress. There's, you know, one one particular species that contains certain cannabinoid compounds, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about it because I think it's quite endangered. <laughs> okay. And I don't want people going out there and using it, but people do, you know, they read about right. it on Google, so... But, you know, I think hohiria uh, can sometimes help. You know, by treating the physical unwellness or the physical problem, you're sort of uh, stopping that mind-body trigger, you know, the, the physical problem triggering the fight-or-flight anxious-type response mm. um, when people are feeling physically unwell. Like, you know, if they're, for example, feeling bloated, 
you know, they're irritable bowel and they've got to go to a business event or a family event and, the, you know, they're, they're worried about how they're going to be, whether they're going to eat properly, how they're going to feel, how they're going to come across. These sorts of things, you know, can herbal medicine to work on the, on the physical problem can indirectly help reduce the, the mental stress of it. And, you know, there's certainly plenty of natives that can help with diarrhoea or tendency to lose stools when there's anxiety. And, of course, that's how it manifests with a lot of people. You know, we have manaka, tanika, you know, a whole lot. And similarly, you know, harakiki can can move things along a bit if you're very uh, respectful of dose for that plant. Don't take too much. So there's just so much we don't know yet about um, our our indigenous flora and fauna and, and, you know, how they relate directly to mental stress, So I'm afraid, because we haven't researched it enough. I think you made a really good point, though, because it's a two-way system. So if our gastrointestinal system is all over the place, completely out of balance, it's straight away going to impact our mental well-being. Absolutely, yep. The mind-body link and, you know, those gut microbiome, they affect everything. And, Mm. and, you know, they they might well be directly affecting our serotonin and dopamine and, you know, encephalins and endorphins. And, you know, the more we look, the more we find. Yeah, (laughs) we're still learning. (laughs) Yep. Okay. And lastly, could you take us through a few of your favourite herbal formulas for helping to manage with stress and anxiety? Sure. Yeah, as per the, the case study that I talked about earlier, I generally use an adaptogen as, as a foundation component. And then I will consider whether or not to add a certain anxiolytic, one or two sometimes anxiolytic herbs. And when I say anxiolytic, they're not just anxiolytic because, and, and they're not just adaptogenics, and that's the joy of our plants. They do a whole lot of things concomitantly. But often I'll, I'll use withania or a little bit of ginseng or bupleurum or uh, bicale skullcap or even kawakawa as an adaptogenic plank foundation and then I'll add something like kava or, or passifora those are my two favourites at the moment if, if somebody's actually quite anxious and they need a little bit of daytime support sometimes lemon balm particularly mm-hmm. when it's uh, gastric like we said before maybe zizifus or holy basil you know zizifus if it's more of a menopausal or, or some people even younger people premenopausal people find that sweating is, is a real debilitating um, symptom of mm-hmm. excessive anxiety so you know it depends on the individual which one of those if, if any that you'll add and and then of course you know if there's an element of depression or suspected depression going on, I'll often chuck in some St John's water as well. It's extremely safe. There's no reason not to if in doubt and you've got room and, and you know, you don't need to just focus on anxiolytic or adaptogenic herbs. But that's a typical kind of formula. Um, but, but again, like we said earlier, if there's a physical issue going down, be it they're worried about their cardiac health, they're worried about, uh, you know sleeping or something else, you might want to add something in there and tell them a story around that herb, why that herb is specific for them. And some patients want to know everything about what you're giving them and why, and, and that can be quite challenging, uh, particularly <laughs> to us practitioners, particularly when you don't want to be sitting there, you know, too late when you've got other people waiting in the waiting room. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that's the expectation, isn't it? You know, anxious patients do want us to often tell them stuff and they, they've read too much on so-called Dr. Google. So, But sometimes we can turn that into to a positive in such patients by saying, look, I've given you a bit of zizzy fuss here because that's the one, that's one that's really specific for sweating, for instance. And and psychosomatically, even if it's not truly pharmacologically, that might sometimes help these types of patients. But look, you know, there's just no end of, of herbs that can be useful in a formula for stress and they do work well as, as a team rather than just one herb. 
That's great. I think you made a really nice point as well that regardless of the actual action of the herb, how the client feels about taking it is going to make a difference to the overall outcome. Well, thank you, Phil, for being a part of today's discussion on stress and anxiety. And thank you to our listeners. We look forward to bringing you another phytotherapy talk in our next Herb Talk podcast. Kakite from the Phytomed team. Thanks, everyone. Kakite.